everybody. It is October 15th, 2016, and you are listening to The Machination Log with me, David Paddock, and across from me in cyberspace with headphones, Jacob Paddock. Yo. Jacob, we're here for game convention number two, and before we get into game convention number two, I want to talk about game convention number one, because we need to figure out how to do these in an effective manner and an efficient manner. Just in general, this is going to be a work in progress. Yeah, it's kind of strange how uh, the podcast seemed to go relatively smoothly when you're talking about interests and what people are doing until it hits video games. Yeah. And then for some reason, the conversations are like flat and they're just like not interesting, even to someone who is interested in hearing about the games that are being talked about. Yeah, I There's mean, something I- about this media. I mean, I listened to the Bombcast and the Beastcast and Austin Walker, Patrick Klepek's new gaming Vice podcast. They still haven't given that thing a name, so it's just called the Vice Gaming Podcast right now. But, I mean, I listen to other people talk about video games, although maybe I don't, because the Bomb crew doesn't really talk about video games. It's it's about 20% rumor, probably 60%... Uh, whatever they're doing on the weekends, and then maybe ten percent games, and then ten percent emails. Okay, more so, on there. So maybe that's the format we need to adopt here. But I mean, more generally, we want to stay a little more focused on games. At least, it, I want to. I want to figure out how to crack this code because it doesn't seem to be just talking about a game. That doesn't seem to be interesting. So. At least, as far as the first game convention, for those who didn't listen to it, and I don't blame you. Um, we had everybody came in with a game to discuss. Like they just, we picked a specific game that came out in the year 2016. I picked three games, two of which were from 2016, one of which was from 2014, but that's neither here nor there. I kind of forgot at the time. Um, and we all just talked about it. And the thing was, there was no connective thread. And I knew that going in because I just wanted to get an idea of how people were going to talk about games. And I think a connective thread is the simplest way to improve this thing. But even just, Talking about a game specifically gets boring really fast because no one else around the table knew exactly what was going on. And even if you ask clarifying questions or if you're interested in the game, if you don't play the game, it's just not, there's just not much going on there. Yeah, no, that's, I, and that is one of the big differences, differences between games and movies is a game is all about your experience with it. And a movie is just a story being told. So you can relay a story, but as far as like a gaming experience, it's hard to convey why it was good because part of the reason it was good was the feel of it as you yourself were interacting with it. Yeah, and there's so a- that's that doesn't make very good talk. You know, there's a fundamental disconnect there because it's not even going to be the same for everybody, even more so than movie. Like in movies, you know, how you feel about any one given part can change from person to person, but it's not quite on the same level as video games. Yeah, the story being told is still the same. But what we're going to discuss today, like if you don't enjoy just relaxing and driving a car in a virtual reality, it's kind of hard for me to convey why this game would be any good to you. Or being totally stressed out at all seconds while driving a car. 
like in the yeah. version of the game that I played for comparison. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a little weird because it's definitely a experience to experience, and I think it like I think it works in written format because I I mean, but I'm into video games. I like reading about them. Uh. But yeah, listening to extended talks about them usually isn't great. Unless you really like the people talking about it, which not saying much about me yeah, that or doesn't, you. Yeah, that but, doesn't help us very much. But. Yeah, but it's, but yeah, it's the what I realized that when I listen to like the Bombcast and the Beastcast, the reason I'm listening to it is because I think those guys are funny. So it's almost like listening to stand-up. It's not because I'm super interested in the games. It's just a side effect. Sure. Well, and I, I use I use their podcast to at least stay mildly abreast of what's going on in video games. But beyond that, no. I mean, I don't even... I, I still play more video games just by title count than most people do, but I don't play that many. I don't play video games much anymore. At least not on the scale. I mean, I used to play 50 games a year. I, don't, I, I do not play 50 games a year anymore. Yeah, I never played 50 games a year. I played a uh, hundred games worth of hours in one game a year. Yeah, uh, that's the traditional model. That's <laughs> my model was unique. I picked games that I could beat relatively quickly and beat them relatively quicklier, and then moved on because I just wanted to consume as large a variety. I was the Star Trek Enterprise of video game players. I just wanted to nab them all. I was just like. <laughs> I was just exploring space for novelty. But no longer. So, let's uh, let's get into this. Uh, this week, the theme was going to be racing because I did a poor job explaining uh, what it was going to be to the people who were on. There were going to be two more people on this podcast, but uh, they hadn't actually played driving games. And one of them actually, uh, Nick in particular, actually hates driving games, which maybe that would have been an interesting color commentary, but sort of missed the point here. Um... Forza Horizon 3 came out recently. Um, and there have actually been quite a few, if you look at racing as a general genre. It's actually, there have been a lot of racing games recently uh, that are pretty good. Uh, but Forza Horizon 3 is part of a group of games that has had a legacy since the PS2, PS1 era of just simulation games that are still approachable enough that human beings can play them. Uh, it started out with Gran Turismo, as far as I'm aware, and uh, it evolved into Forza when Gran Turismo started getting flabby and messing stuff up. Forza started taking over that banner, and then Forza evolved into Horizon, and now here we are. Jacob, what is the state of racing games? Uh, this game's really good. Uh, basically, I mean, there there's a lot that makes this game what I think is... I think it really is just the pinnacle of like racing games because racing games are basically two genres. You have simulation and you have arcade. Arcade is smash the car into stuff. The car handles way better than a car would in real life. Um, and it's not real tracks. It's uh, fantasy almost. You can do anything you want. And simulation is trying to get down dirty to make you feel like you're really driving a car get a fan just, get a box fan behind your tv yeah get a racing wheel racing with a wheel. clutch yeah you have a racing um, wheel i have not i have almost caved multiple times but i have not actually done it because i don't want to have to have it in my room that's fair it's a 
it's a big clunky piece of crap. But uh, there, yeah, there are two genres, and then usually, if you are into racing games, you lean more to the simulation. But those get stale very fast because they're very clean, very clinical. Whereas the arcade are fun, but a little over the top or a little silly. And Forza Horizon kind of bridges both of those. Forza Horizon is a racing game that takes place in Australia. Uh, you race out of a hub, and the hub is basically like a convention kind of thing, a car convention that's called the Horizon Series. So you have a little hub world where you have your garage and all your cars, and then you go out into the world and you find races out on the street. Burnout uh, style? Yeah, uh, there's a game called Burnout Paradise where it is just an open world, and as you're driving, you'll run into it. It's kind of set up like that. And from the like, that's the basic framework, but everything they do to make the game work uh, is just executed flawlessly. And they bring all of the elements of arcade and simulation together. It's you start off on an, uh, what would I call this, like a suburbia area, and then as you go, you can expand into a city, a desert, or like a, a Napa Valley kind of thing, like a rolling wine country. So they have a huge diversity in a world that you can get lost in. Um, so it never gets boring. And the races that they have range from like real live track races like a simulation game would have to dirt rally to street races to racing a boat down a river or chasing a biplane down so it has a huge variety in that respect but it also has the car list and the uh customization of the cars that you would expect from a hardcore simulation game wrapped up in a package that lets you just do whatever the hell you want to progress the game. All right. Well, your checks in the mail from Microsoft Studios, they appreciate this uh, back-of-the-box <laughs> back bullet point list. What makes a game like this worth playing over a game, either in the <clears throat> arcade versions of this stuff, the Mario Karts of the world that everybody are familiar with, and most people at least tolerate, if not enjoy Mario Kart and like shooting people? Why would you opt? Like, what... You said the elements of this game were really good. What makes a good element of this game? What makes it worth playing? Especially in your case, you play these games a lot. I, I do play a lot of these. Um, what makes this... Hmm, what makes a good racing game experience? I mean, Gran Turismo uh, 3 was the first one in our household. And if I remember correctly, a lot of that game got played. Yeah, that game got played a lot. Like, that multiple could, that, PS2 controllers worth of that game got played. That could be a result of being a dumb kid, but I did recently play back through uh, that game again, and I guess it was okay. <laughs> um, the feeling of the car is the first thing. Uh, if the car feels sloppy in any way, which is why Mario Kart feels good, because it's very hand-holdy to make the cars feel snappy super smooth so, yeah so because uh, you wouldn't want to turn and have it kind of slosh over or have it turn perfectly so it, it's kind of like a uh, a mario situation like the jumping where a lot of platforms 
you don't think about like in Mario that jumping is a very important thing, but when you play a lot of indie platformers, you start to realize there's a lot of work that goes into making something feel snappy and feel satisfying. And that's the first and foremost thing. Um, Because a lot of simulation games get that wrong, and the cars feel like crap to drive. Which is ironic, because you'd think (laughs) all they need to do is make it act like a real car, and you'd be done. Yeah, but I don't think that's what people want, because you don't want to have to slow down to 25 miles an hour when you're racing your hypothetical Chevy Cobalt, or else the steering will lock up and you'll go through the through the railing. Oh, that's true. Is the Cobalt in that game? Uh, it is not. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> not even the SS version? Uh, no. The hell, man. Chevy, get on this. Get on nah, this. They, have other, they have other stuff. It's, they, they have an updated list. They do very little throwbacks unless it's to, like, an iconic car. Sure. Like the Ford GT40. Yeah, like cars like that. Oh yeah, no, every that those kinds of cars are in every one of these games. I mean, the one of the and speaking to that classicness, I mean, part of the part of the thrill of the simulation is to pretend to do something that is too expensive or deadly to do in real life. Uh, some of the fun things, at least I remember from Gran Turismo Three, and I know I didn't end up buying this car, but I very nearly did. Was uh, the first car. You pick in a Gran Turismo game is very important because it's probably a car that you either drive or see on the road pretty frequently because they have like some very real world cars in those games like the MX-5 Miata. Yeah. uh, Which was a car of choice. Yeah. And that's and then another thing, uh, as soon as you get past feel, uh, you have to get you have to then have courses that are interesting to look at. Uh, Mario Kart does this with bright, shiny colors uh, and courses that are hypothetically not a total nightmare to drive. And then usually simulations do it by being on the cutting edge of graphics because for a long time, driving games were the benchmark for how good consoles looked. Yep. Uh, This game is gorgeous, and the tracks are varied on anything you could possibly want to drive. They have that. So they got the checklist on the on the driving feel, and they have the diversity and the uh, the good tracks. And then the next one I usually go for is, do they have vehicles that I want to drive? And this is where I don't like kart racers because kart racers, all the cars basically drive the same. They can claim that it handles better, it drives a little faster, it holds more bananas to throw at people. All in all, the cars are all the same, and there's no major difference. This game, how it handles that is it gives you a list of all the modern cars, and you just pick one, and you can use any car to enter any race. So I picked a Nissan 432, uh, which is, if you know what the the, what the heck is it? The Nissan Fair Lady, the 470 and the 450. The that classics. Little, uh, yeah, like the wedge shape. It's one of the older ones. I picked one of those, and I painted it like the Speed Racer MX-5. Natural. Or the... Uh, which, actually, I don't, the Mach 6. I don't remember the number. The Mach 6, that's it. Yeah. I, I or, no, it's the Mach, I mean, it's the Mach 5 in the original. But Yeah, the Mach 5. In the true, I painted it, in the true successor, it's the 6. 
I painted it like that, and then I played through almost the entire game using that one car. I got really good at driving that one car because I liked the way the interior looked. I think the car looked dope, and it had a sweet paint job that I had put on it. So I really liked the car I was driving, and the game lets you just play the entire game with the cars you want to drive. And the other one that I did was, I might send a gif of a, a picture of this over to you. I went into the community and got a Lamborghini Diablo that has KFC painted on it, and it's just a picture of the colonel, and it says so good right next to it. Uh, yep. That, that was a fun car. That checks out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's getting to play with the cars you want, because uh, one of the problems I had with Gran Turismo was you had to start out cheap, which was fine, but then you have to buy new cars constantly because, oh, this car doesn't qualify for this race, or you can't use that car for this. So even if you like a car, you can't use it very much, um, and that gets kind of lame. So in this one, if I feel like going and driving a Hummer that I've souped up on 40-inch rims, I just go grab that car and I go do a bunch of races with it. Or a Halo Warthog? Yeah. Is that one in the, do you have that car? Uh, I do i just don't like driving it. Oh, okay that's fair <laughs> um how do they balance that out do they like auto tune your car to fit the race in question no you can tune your so you car however out of the you water want. if you've got a good no. car it judges your car on a one to a thousand scale and it generates drive avatars which are uh simulations of how other people drive according to how fast your car is. So, like, my... Uh, where's my main car? My main car is sitting at a 650 out of 1,000. So when I go to race, it will stack the list with cars that vary from 625 to 700. Okay, so it just... It builds you, it builds you a list. It's not like in the yeah. Gran Turismo games where... There's basically in every race in Gran Turismo there were six, and I'm talking, I'm talking Gran Turismo three and four. I haven't really meaningfully played the later. It's the ones. same. Yeah, it's the same. In all there are six cars in any given race, and there's a there's a cycle of about ten total cars, and it just picks five cars to compete uh, in any given race against you. So this yeah, uses this the one, whole track list for all the races. Yeah, this one there are like races that it's like oh this is a cult classic race or this is a dune buggy race but all in all it it custom makes the race to you and it has a pretty good difficulty slider that it, it basically adjusts how aggressive and how good everyone's cars are so on the easiest difficulty setting even if you don't know how to play a racing game you can still feel competitive and then it goes all the way up through quote-unquote unbeatable, which is how I'm racing most of my races because I've gotten so used to driving the car. Oh, well, look at you. <laughs> and you're unbeatable. So you're getting first place on the highest difficulty setting? Uh, I don't always get first place. Uh, it does get very hard. And one thing that this game does really... One of my favorite features in this game is most racing games, you... It, there's no penalty for smashing into people. In kart races, it's actually a good thing. In this one, sticking with the play it how you want to play it, you can smash into people and guarantee yourself first place, but that only gives you 
maybe like a two or three percent bump in your winnings. But if you want to drive like how you would really drive and not smash your car, you get safety bonuses. And then if you drive an entire race safely, it like doubles the amount of experience and fans you get from it. So, well, that sounds boring and lame. Eh, it's fun because when you start playing against harder difficulties, they actually start pulling the AI from recordings of other people racing. So, when you get to the higher difficulties, you start playing against quote unquote people who are really good at the game. So, it starts becoming really, really aggressive. And if you smash into people, everything's going to go horribly wrong. So you actually have to race in a real, in a real fashion instead of uh, just turning it into a kart racer. Can't play GT3 bumper boats? Uh, you can. Uh, and there's no, like, besides, like, the you just don't get a bonus. Like, the, you, can, you can smash into people. You can turn all the sliders to arcade. So your car grips perfectly, gets no damage, and is uh, crazy fast, and then just go the wrong way on the track and smash people out of the race into a gully. That's the game I remember. (laughs) Or you can turn all the sliders to difficult and have your car fall apart and and snap a suspension rod if you try to cut someone off and they push you into a ditch. Well, that sounds all fine and dandy as far as simulating real cars. So let me turn the table here a little bit and tell you about a real sim game. All right. Because Jacob's been playing Forza Horizon 3, and that came out recently. I've been playing a game that came out in 2016, but has been in early access for longer than that. It's a little game called uh, Dirt Rally. Now, some of you may be familiar with the Dirt Series. The Dirt Series is rally racing. Um, and depending on which of the three primary Dirt games you played, uh, Colin McRae's Dirt, Dirt 2, or Dirt 3, you got a different kind of experience from each of them. The first game was about as simmy as it ever got. Dirt 2 had much more open roads, but it had a much better theme to it, and the races were varied. And then Dirt 3 sort of iterated, added some Gymkhana, but it wasn't quite as good. Dirt Rally goes full-on back to the first game. Um, And in better, and with the advent of better graphics, uh, better designed tracks, and just generally better physics systems, the mission statement of Dirt Rally, as far as I could tell, is to make the most pain-in-the-ass rally game imaginable to play. You can turn on a lot of assists and stuff, but it's clear that that's not how the game's intended to be played. (laughs) um it is it is clutches it is tiny roads it is mountainsides it is a three right yes it is the four left you've got the guy in the you got the guy in the seat so for those of you who aren't familiar with rally there's an assistant to the driver who has a map and he just tells you what's coming up on the road yeah that's that's a from real rally racing because uh there's so much going on that the driver can only focus on making sure the car doesn't go off a cliff. So they have a guy with a piece of paper who tells him, yo, this turn up here is going to be like a 45-degree angle, sharp left-hand turn, 
and there's going to be a rock on the left-hand side, and they have codes that they use. It's so good. To tell you. It's so good. <laughs> and the thing is, that's a necessity, because unlike in games like, and I guess Forza Horizon probably gets away from this, because you're probably driving on more real roads, so it's not like a track. Yeah. It feels like a real city. Yeah, you're driving around, and you don't. So you don't necessarily know every twist and turn. You don't know every twist and turn in a dirt rally track unless you've played it a billion times. Um, and these tracks are these are five minute long tracks on mountainsides, and there is no rewinding in this game. So if you lose your balance at any point in those five minutes, you get to restart the entire race. Um, so if that doesn't sound fun at all, I totally understand, but there is something white knuckly about this that I don't get from any other racing game. Um, I would call it the dark souls of racing games, but that's a way overused trope. So I'm not going to do it right here, uh, but there's, it's fun. And I was just, I was looking down the list of things that Jacob was talking about that make a, uh, that make a racing game cool, trying to see if it makes any sense that I like this game whatsoever. As far as feel goes, um, because they only had to simulate rally cars. Now, full disclosure, I'm not a professional rally car driver, so I can't actually like verify whether or not this stuff feels real. But the way these cars bump around, I buy it. Like, okay, yeah, it's dirt has always felt good. Felt good. I have never done rally racing on a car. But as someone who has done quite a bit of motorcycle dirt riding, I can confirm that it does actually feel rather similar. It is, you go unstable so fast. If you get yeah. one wheel off the ground and you have the accelerator on, you're, uh, you're, gonna, you're probably going to need to restart. This game is, it's, <laughs> man, it's so, 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 it's got the feel. It's got the feel. Cool tracks. The tracks in this game, as a, as a just a direct result of the places where rallies take place, they're gorgeous. Like rally rally races take places take place in the kind of places that people go on hikes. So everything is pretty in this game. So it's got that covered. And kinds of cars, eh, you know, doesn't quite have that much going on there. Yeah, rally cars are cool. Rally cars are all right. <laughs> it's a, that's an acquired taste. But they do. I mean, in in this game, the cars. Which car you pick matters, and it's fun because there are different um, there are different classes of rally car that you can pick, and each class has one problem child car that if you just if you want the the best slash worst time, like there was a um I, I wish I could remember the name if I was any good with cars I would remember the names of some of these cars, but I think the car was called a Stratus. It, this was a rock and Lancia. Yes, I believe yeah. so. Um. It's a rocking fast car, and the second you try to turn, it just fights back. And it's, yeah. I accidentally bought that the first time I played the game, because I saw, oh, this car clearly has a better power-to-weight ratio. That's what I'm looking for. And uh, that, um, that did not pan out at all. I had to completely restart and get another car. But um, I could, Because in this game, I, there may be difficulty settings in this game, but for the most part, it's just ranking systems. Like it's, It goes like clubman, semi-pro, pro, that kind of thing. And I'll admit I'm not the best racer in the world, especially not when I actually have to care about turns and stuff like that. But um, I was so stoked when I got fifth place the first time in this game. <laughs> um, like this game... This game makes you earn 
your places. And that is that is something that I, I think some racing games are missing. And Jacob, you can you can speak to the value of this because I know you have a certain preference when it comes to difficulty in games. But I do like I do like when games fight back that way. Yeah, I it's pretty well known around among friends that I like games that are set to easy. <laughs> like when I go when I go through a story driven game, I don't want to have to restart sequences. The only time I will bump a difficulty setting up is if the game feels like it earned it. Like Dark Souls feels like it earns that difficulty. Super Meat Boy feels like it earns that difficulty. It's vi- there are very few racing games that you feel good about not getting first. That is a hard thing to pull off. Um, I can think of basically like two, like. The Forza Horizon 3 I don't think pulls it off because you will not get first every time if you set the difficulty setting right and you don't actually lose anything basically for not getting first they don't punish you like currency or experience or fan wise but it's just not fun to not win <laughs> um, the only games that do that well are F1 the F1 racing games do a good job of making it feel legitimate when you get, like, eighth place. Like, there's achievements. Like, hey, like, just make it in the top ten. Well, the, the F1 <laughs> races are weird that way, too, because you can pick in the career mode. For those of you who aren't familiar with Formula One enough to to kind of know where this is coming from, in Formula One, there are different designers for the cars, the different teams actually build these cars. And these companies are real car manufacturing companies, and some of them are better than others. Some of them have to borrow parts from others because they don't have the money or the R&D to do it. So there are, there's a lot of there's a massive disparity in F1 that doesn't exist in a lot of other racing circuits because even though there are a lot of regulations about the way that the cars have to be put together, there is Mercedes-Benz is better at building engines than anyone else who's in Formula One. So they win all the races. Like they, yeah. that's just that's an advantage they have at the weight class that they're required to use with the uh, I forget what the, I think they're using 1.5 liter engines running at like 16,000 RPM in that power range. Mercedes can't be beat. So Mercedes wins. But there are other there are other players. Uh, you know, there's Manor, there's Force India, like there's these other companies that want to be in on the action. Um, because it's a prestigious thing to be part of F1, but they don't ex- they don't expect to win. They're yeah. fine. Get uh, uh Team House, I believe is how they're pronounced, or it's Haas or something like that. I haven't I haven't followed it too closely in this most recent year when Haas became a player, but the team leader of Haas basically said at the beginning of the 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 season as the new team on the block that they would be really excited getting better than 10th place with one of their two racers this year. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's the F1 series games which are the same people who make dirt. It's Codemasters, yeah. Codemasters uh do a really good job with tempering expectations <laughs> and uh making you okay with not getting first because first is completely unrealistic. Um, and the ra- and the dirt rally games. It seems to be Codemasters has cracked the code on making it, uh, making you okay with not being first because you always want to be the winner. It's very hard 
to make it fun to be a loser. I mean, I have finally got to a point in Dirt Rally where I'm not, like, running off the road every time. Like, I actually, just this morning, um, in preparation for talking about this today, I, uh, I had my first race that I got in first place without doing a restart. Yeah. Which, um, that took a long time to get to that point. Because you can go nice and slow and get it, but that's, uh, that's, that's no fun. Gotta do the drift. <laughs> Gotta get your handbrake. Dirt Rally is the only game I have ever played that I have even remotely considered getting a racing wheel for. Like, this, this one of the only games that feels like it might make sense to do. Yeah, I... I wanted to get a racing wheel multiple times in my life, mostly as a joke. Uh, oh, yeah, and no then, doubt. Which is a fun way, which is a fun reason to buy something, because it very, very quickly turns into a joke on you. Um, but I have considered buying a racing wheel for Forza Horizon because it is just it it, it is just such a diverse, such a good game that I kind of want to see what the shifting manually and having a dumb plastic wheel in front of you that clacks at you yeah. is like. Um, I don't think I could do it without VR at this point, though. I think VR yeah, would become that was you, their part that, and parcel now. That was actually one of the reasons why I took it out of the cart, where it's like, I don't want to have to set up a racing wheel in some awkward location and then have a monitor that's not in the right place, and then I have to like have this weird detached feeling. It's like I would much rather just have the screen on my face and then I can just sit somewhere comfortable and play it and then have the full experience but because I have to look at a screen anyway a controller's fine <laughs> yeah no that's well and you just you, you either want to go all the way or you don't and thankfully all the way is becoming more and more great all the time unfortunately it's uh, becoming more expensive because <laughs> you can't because uh. you can do it it's now an option to do this in VR and that's from everything i've heard racing in VR is pretty awesome um, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, but it, uh, it requires a lot more hardware to make that happen. Actually, I, I'm sure someone has a part list out there. I'm curious what it would cost to get the uh, the full-on, just shy of actually buying the car experience for simulating. Oh, uh, fun fa- uh, fun thing. I went out to Vegas about a week ago, and like I do this like car racing thing because I have like no real desire to race my own vehicle. Uh, quickly down streets and on track days because then I have to pay for the damages. Yeah. Um, so like racing is kind of a fun way for me to d- racing games are like a weird, not exactly satisfy the feeling, but it's still kind of the same idea and it does kind of scratch that itch a little bit. When I went out to Vegas this last time, they've recently built something called Speed Vegas, which you can go race uh hypercars oh yeah no they, they've had a couple of those 1.8 mile track yeah you actually went out not, and did that no i really want to though yeah i've thought about doing that i mean i i really don't like i mean i have like chronic nightmares about brakes failing in cars so i'm like not a big <laughs> fan of driving cars very not even just aggressively just at all but i would be it's a little expensive um looking at the price tags on that stuff but to do it once just it's to like have done it 50 
Well, at this place, uh, it's fifty dollars a lap for their cheapest car, which their cheapest car is a twenty sixteen Z06 Corvette, which <laughs> is as fast as any Ferrari. Um, but then you can also race R8s and uh, Ferraris and all that kind of stuff for like eighty dollars a lap. Yeah, I would want to do. Um, I'd want to do. If not their stupidest, at least their second stupidest car. If I'm gonna I do mean, it, it, like if it, it it would be cool to drive a Lamborghini around a track real fast. Yeah, no, that would be <laughs> neat. It's just, I mean, pricing it out, it looked like it was gonna be four or five hundred bucks to do it for any meaningful amount of time. Yeah, I I don't know. That's that's a lot of money to uh, it's a lot of money to blow even on something that would theoretically be a really nice thing to just have as an experience sitting in the back of my head. Maybe someday, but yeah, no, I might, I might go do that because it would be, it would be cool to see how well the fantasy of a video game translates to a real life car and a real life track. Well, that's because though I've, oh, I've driven cars quickly and I've been behind the wheels of some expensive cars. It's, uh, it's just not the same when you're on a road. It's the, it's the Jeremy Clarkson thing where it's like, why would you need a car? that drives 200 miles an hour when the speed limit is 55. And it's the same reason that I want to watch that's resistant to a thousand meters. It's so if I drop it in the sink, I know it'll be okay. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I would maybe do that at some point. I don't know. That just, that still just seems like a unconscionable amount of money to spend on something like that, especially cause there's a strong chance I wouldn't even enjoy doing it. Eh, you don't know till you try. Yeah, no, that's, that's <laughs> always uh, that's the eternal commitment of that kind of thing. Uh, is there anything else we want to discuss about racing games? Uh, not really. I mean, there like if you think you might like driving games or racing games, there's plenty of good options. Uh, like my my big suggestion is, I mean, I've been friggin' going crazy and talking about it the whole time but yeah forza horizon 3 does a good job of having something for literally everyone has there ever been a better time to play a racing game i'm not gonna say like probably there hasn't been a better time but things keep getting better all the time and the uh illusion of choice starts to uh starts to come in where you're worried that it might not be the best. There was a there was something to be said for the simpler times where games were shit but you didn't know any better. That is that is all too true. <laughs> but we are past those days, so grow up everybody. Play yourself some dang Forza Horizon 3 or if you've got what it takes or don't have what it takes and are just a masochist, uh play some dirt rally. I, I would definitely give a thumbs up for Dirt Rally. I, I know it's not for everybody, but if you think you like anything about rally racing, it is the best rally racing game bar none. So, it is the one to beat. And Forza Horizon sounds alright. I may get into that at some point. It's real good. Yeah. How many cars are in that game? Uh, A bunch. Solid. <laughs> is it over 20? Yes. It's not it's not some nightmarish list because they fully model the interiors of all of the cars. So, 
they can't just do a Forza Horizon. Yo, there are a thousand cars in here. This one was how many a Japanese minivans are there? Uh, you can drive a Reliant Robin. That's close enough. Okay, yeah, fair enough. They're so bad. <laughs> GT Five. <laughs> they they literally they had like six minivan models in that game that all looked exactly the same. Looked exactly the same, and they could not participate in any races. Well, yeah, they're, because they're, the races were designed for cars that had engines that could go over forty miles yeah, an hour. They were designed for cars that, with horsepower. Yeah. Which this car solves that problem because you can go into a race with a re- unmodified Reliant Robin and it will pit you against Reliant Robins. Oh, there's no other car to fight. Does it roll? Yes. Excellent. If you take a corner too hard, they modeled the physics on the three-wheel piece of crap and it will roll in a corner if you aren't careful. You can also buy an upgrade that I think modifies your... uh modifies the the ranking of the car by like 50 or 60 points where it puts uh training wheels like on a bike on the front of the car solid to keep it from rolling do they have um are there any other three wheels are there any trikes i think that's the only trike oh man that i'm that i that's that's the only trike that's coming to mind they don't have any uh they don't have any other hipster mobiles uh no the hell man they have a couple of goofy cars but yeah do they have any formula ones in there no that's one thing they do not have is they do not have any real race cars that was the that was one of the funnier things in gran turismo uh i think it was i think they were in three but they were definitely in four you could get the red bull x 2010 and it was just because anyone who watches a formula one race when you watch it like in on your television it's it's the same illusion when you like watch any sport and you don't you don't really like appreciate how insane what they're doing is in formula one unless you see something like an accident or someone judder you don't really get the foreshortening of a tv camera doesn't really give you any impression of just how fast these cars are moving but in gran turismo it's probably the the finest demonstration of how fast these cars are i've ever seen because when you you're playing the whole game and even using like these NASCAR race cars for a long time, like you do in Gran Turismo, those cars feel fast. And then you get in a Red Bull, you get into the Red Bull Formula One car. It's like, oh, okay. This is like on a completely other level. Like this, yeah. this car is so much faster. Yeah. I mean, to the, uh, to the one viewer, me, who's still listening to this podcast, uh, <laughs> Like if you, the my favorite, like just to get an idea of what Formula One is like, is to like look up the episode where Richard Hammond drives a Formula One car. It's it, it it's absolutely insanity. Yeah, they're quick, <laughs> especially around corners. It's not even fair. Yeah, it's it, it's what he explains. I can take this corner in a mclaren f1 at 80 miles an hour and that's at the edge of the grip of the car if i do not take this corner at 160 my tires will get cold and the car will spin out of control (laughs) (laughs) it's a completely different world yeah (laughs) that's pretty good all right well if uh if we don't got got anything else you want to say to uh you Nah, 
already, the final listener. Already, ra- already rambled too much. <laughs> Solid. All right. Jacob, thanks for being part of the Machination Log. We'll probably do another game con. We'll try to crack this code. I'll listen to this one, be disgusted, and we'll pick a different path, and we'll uh, we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, the next one, I'm uh, not sure what we're going to do. I'll probably pick a super esoteric theme for the next one. But, uh, like, railroad. Oh, I'm game. Trains. We're talking railroad. Yeah, we're talking railroad games. All right. That may be our next topic, then. See you in a month. Good morning, everyone.